You're listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And this is episode number 36. And this week, uh, my friend uh, Jacob Kerwin of the band All Hell uh, is joining me, uh, joined me. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, he has a new EP coming out. Um, I believe it's coming out on the 14th, if I remember correctly. And um, it's going to be... Uh, off of all, uh, let's see, all hail the night is the um, is the EP. Let me double check. Um, it is yeah, it releases April fourteenth. So, um, and I'm gonna be actually playing here in a few minutes a uh, a single, the first single from it called Black Leather Wings. Um, featuring Nate Garnett of Skeleton Witch. So we're going to be playing that um, before the interview uh, or, you know, the episode. So, and you can all, y'all can go on uh, um, allhell.bandcamp.com, check out the the EP. Um, there's a few things you can get a CD, you can get a digital album, there's a cassette. Uh, what is a cassette? You can get the cassette ends CD bundle, which is pretty cool. Not too expensive either. Twenty bucks. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, please go and fucking get that. You know, like. Uh, uh, but yeah, so me and uh, Jacob, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about all hell. We talked about the new EP. We talked about his artwork, and um, and that kind of spurned us off onto uh spurred us off onto uh, talking about art like um the decadent art symbolist art um and we got into weird fiction horror danzig um uh, uh muerte you know uh, just a pretty wide range of things you know the kind of things that you'd expect to hear on the podcast so uh definitely me and jacob have a lot in common and um I'm definitely uh, gonna have him back on um, onto the podcast. Be, I feel like we could have talked for a lot longer. Um, so yeah, we're definitely gonna have to do a part two. It was great having him on, and I think this is a really good episode. And I think um, if you enjoy the types of things we talk about on here, you're gonna really enjoy this uh, this episode. And um, if you're not familiar with All Hell, I highly recommend. Um, Giving them a listen. They're from Asheville, North Carolina, and um, they're a really great kind of. I always describe it as kind of like a mix of like uh, I don't know. There's like it's like Bathory, and then like Danzig stuff, like Sam Hain in particular, uh, combined together with um, I don't know. Just like it's it's its own thing. He's definitely doing something unique, and uh, it's definitely my thing. Uh, all the types of all the things that's going into play into All Hell's music is basically um, uh, the things that I like. So there you go. Check it out. And um, what else? Uh, aside from that, I'm not sure what the, I was thinking about. Oh, yeah. This is going out on Easter. Uh, so, you know, you can uh, celebrate the... Uh, the the risen the you know he is risen you know fucking bullshit uh yeah Jesus is risen today you know so you guys can um 
enjoy this episode uh, while you're eating your Easter bunny candy and uh, and hunting for your Easter eggs and, you know, I don't know, hunting for Osiris's phallus, you know, something like this. So, uh, you know, yesterday was Good Friday um, as of the time of me recording this and, uh, yeah. And Jesus went on the cross and died on Golgotha. So there you go. Um, so yeah, I think it's an appropriate episode to come out on Easter. And uh, I guess <laughs> if anything's appropriate. Uh, but yeah, April is here. It's the beginning of spring. Uh, it's starting to feel like spring here, in fact, in Colorado. And uh, that's good and bad. I don't mind spring, April. Uh, is good. May um, it depends. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's good. Uh, but then you know we got to get into the ass crack of summer and, uh, and then into the burning butthole. And uh, not looking forward to either one of those things. But uh, I'm just trying to not pay attention to that. But we do have at the end of the month is what well, purchase knocked. So that's pretty exciting. I think we'll do an episode about uh, that kind of topic uh, on the Patreon this month. Um, but yeah, the I feel like this this time of year is, is does have a eerie feeling. Everything's kind of coming to life um, and whatnot. And um, yeah, it's a good time to connect with the uh, the other world. So we, as like I said, when we get to April thirtieth. It's uh, one of the thinnest veils alongside uh, Halloween, October 31st. You know, they're the two main cycles of the year for people on the dark side of things, I would say. Um, Like, for example, with uh, uh, Church of Satan and Anton LaVey, he mainly was talking, uh, basically kind of had like the two main satanic holidays as well, Purchase Knocked and Halloween. And actually, in fact, those two times of years really do represent the the dark half starts in halloween and ends on uh you know while purchase not going into may 1st and then you have the light half of the year um so you could look at like this kind of cycle but um you know it's very powerful time of the year um i uh i managed to find some uh centimore candles i was thinking about it like literally just the other day like oh i should probably uh I try to maybe order them online or, I don't know, try to find a botanica close by. But then I go into local uh, King Supers and there they are. So that's cool. When I used to live in a, in a Hispanic neighborhood, they would be in the King Supers. But definitely uh, over here, not so much. But maybe now that, uh, I don't know. I think maybe it was a little bit more white bread when I first moved out here than, than is now. But, um, so yeah, that was cool. So... Uh, and in keeping with one of the topics in this podcast, uh, so yeah, um, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and, uh, give the shout outs and plugs and all that kind of shit, and then we're going to get into the episode, and, uh, like, so yeah, um, I want to shout out the other horsemen of the podcast apocalypse on Mondays or every other Monday you have Horwolf 666 with Brandon Legion. Um, interviews primarily with new and old um, people in the horror world as well as top tens. On Tuesdays, you have the best extreme metal podcast out there, uh, Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Smith. 
On Wednesdays, you have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. And it was actually through Mike Hill and having uh, Jacob on Everything Went Black and also Metal Matters back when we did it that I even found out about All Hill and began, you know, eventually reached out to Jacob and everything. So, um, so there you go. Um, and then on Thursdays, Mike Hill returns with Necromaniacs with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid, one of my favorite of the multitude of horror podcasts which I follow. Um, probably, you know, my favorite overall with that, um, you know, deals with, uh, talking about movies as opposed to say interviews. Um, and then, uh, see on Fridays, there's break the apocalypse with John Draper, um, which is Mike Scandato's brother. Um, and then the kind of, uh, I call him the unofficial horseman, which is Cheyenne from Trivax with his podcast, Iblis Manifestations. Uh, which comes out at intermittent times, but, um, you know, anybody who likes this podcast was going to be interested in, in Iblis Manifestations, and I had Cheyenne on a while back, so, yep, uh, pretty much everybody in that list I've had on the podcast as well, except for uh, Jeff Kashid, so I need to, I need to get him on. He was just on the brand, um, Horror Wolf 666 last week, and that was a great episode, and, yeah, need to get him on. And then, um, yeah, follow everybody on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Follow us on, you know, whatever your podcast platform of choice is. And then um, you can follow me at Carl Hikara, K-A-R-L-H-A-I-K-A-R-A, or Denver Underground Radio. And speaking of Denver Underground Radio, um, we have uh, live uh, radio shows on the internet um, every Tuesday, Thursday, and most Fridays, um, but particularly the Tuesday and Thursdays are very uh, uh, regular. But um, and all those episodes, all those shows start at nine p.m. Mountain Standard Time, eleven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, my show, Darklands, which is black metal, dark ambient, death metal, things like this, is Tuesdays. Thursdays is the Upstairs Room, um, which is primarily post punk, goth, dark wave, this type of thing. And then Fridays is my friend Ken, who I do upstairs room with, and he does a variety of things, pretty similar vein as the upstairs room. And then finally, for two dollars a month, you can go on uh, Patreon.com forward slash Soul Knocks Podcast. And um, I just launched it; it's brand new, fresh. Only a couple people on there so far, but um, yeah, I got a Patreon. I'm going to be doing two to four bonus episodes a month. And um, yeah, I think it's a good deal for $2 uh, two dollars a month. And the uh, episodes of the mainstream will also go up on there. So you can listen to them there or on whatever platform you are already. And um, yeah, we're going to start off with doing two to four bonus episodes a month. If it takes off and whatnot, we might do some other uh, you know tier levels of extra stuff. We'll see. We're just starting, starting simple, starting basic, two bucks a month. Uh, yeah, please go, please sign up if you like the podcast. Like, um, really need the uh, the help there, and uh, be much appreciated. And uh, make sure to try to give you some really good stuff. Particularly if you're into the occult, I recommend signing up to the Patreon because I'm going to be doing um, a series on there dedicated to the occult every month. So there you go. Um, and I think that is everything 
and got my little. I have to like create like a checklist for myself. All right, you know, everything that I need to say before we get an episode. Um, which is better than I did when I first started, where I didn't say any of that except for maybe this horseman. That was it. Um, remembering the other things now. All right, so like I said, we're gonna be playing Black Leather Wings, the upcoming single for the upcoming EP by All Hell called All Hail the Night. And uh, hope you guys enjoy and uh, hail Satan. Thanks for coming on uh, to the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, thanks for the invitation. Yeah, I've been. I got. I found out about you guys um, from uh, from Everything Went Black, I think, or Metal Matters, mm-hmm. one of my kills podcasts. Like that's how yeah. I was introduced to all hell. Cool. And uh, 
I really dig your music, and then also I've noticed that you're like also in the weird fiction and everything. Yeah, thanks, man. And uh, yeah, we seem to have a uh, a lot of common interests: weird fiction, horror stuff, some occult stuff, and music, obviously. Yeah, definitely, which is awesome. And um, you guys are releasing a new EP as well. I think uh, probably around the yep. time when this episode is airing, it should be out. Cause, uh, cool. Yeah. When is the EP coming uh, out? release date is uh april 14th i believe yeah so it'll probably be around the same time maybe cool. yeah yeah go be, this one will come out a second week of april so right yeah. on. um but yeah the uh i guess we can start with that i mean um um anything uh you want to share about the about dp coming out yeah sure so uh it's six songs uh three brand new songs and then we re-recorded three songs off of our first uh self-released album from 2014 um kind of felt like it was time to update them because we've changed a little bit stylistically i mean especially vocal wise and uh felt like we needed a better reflection of how we've been playing those songs live for like the past you know seven or eight years right yeah yeah, I mean, your your sound has overall remained pretty consistent, but I think um, the your production and stuff has gotten like mm-hmm. better and better every album. You know, so yeah, for sure. I can definitely see the the songs like sounding better. Like, cause the first album, right. like, it doesn't sound terrible, but it's definitely not yeah. as uh, full sounding as their as your newer stuff. Yeah, for sure. And then like the the newer songs are almost like in a similar vein to like the first couple albums like i kind of wanted to do some new songs you know like like i would write old songs now and then do some old songs like i would you know like we've been doing them kind of a little bit of past a little bit of you know the trajectory that we've been on mixed together that makes sense yeah i mean uh yeah. so it's a, yeah, a little bit more because i guess your, your earlier stuff is maybe a bit more raw uh yeah i guess maybe a little bit more of that I guess you could say punk influence. I'm not really sure how to describe it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's that's fair. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, your sound is kind <laughs> of like <laughs> misfits influence. <laughs> yeah, the misfits Sam Hain influence. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's kind of like yeah, like your music's kind of hard is uh, to. It's kind of one of those things where I know it when I hear it, but it's kind of like hard to describe. Like it's kind of like if you took like right. black metal and like Bathory and mixed it with like yeah Sam Hain or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you also got some cool like uh, melodic riffs and stuff too here and there. But yeah, sprinkle them in there. Yeah, and did, you did the artwork for it. I'm assuming because it looks yeah uh, yeah cool yeah because like that's something that I became aware of as well. So you're doing like a lot of uh, a lot of art as well. Yeah, uh, it's just kind of something that I've been away from for a while, and then dip my toes back into this year. I just wanted to you know try to be a bit more productive. Um, I mean, I was away from like, you know, like pen and ink type stuff. I was doing some painting for a while, like on and off, but it's been a long time since I've done any anything like what I'm doing now. So I feel like I've been doing a pretty good amount of stuff this year. Yeah, definitely. It's been pretty, pretty steady stream of stuff. And uh, it's all it's all yeah. great. Like I really particularly like that um, Lilith paint uh, drawing you did recently. Yeah, thanks, man. I, was, I really like that. Um 
because uh, Lilith is like a kind of important figure for me as well like, mm -hmm. with, in like say like the occult and stuff. So yeah, I thought you sure. did a, a good uh, good version of that. Thanks, appreciate yeah. it. And so yeah, I, I the the um the artwork for for the EP kind of reminds me of um have you ever read uh, uh the complete vampire by Mad Nigel Jackson? Um, I don't think so. There's like a there's like an illustration in it. I'll have to like send you a picture. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's 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 like in a similar vein, you know, like with like this cool. like co coffin and and everything, mm -hmm. you know, like it's pretty cool. I, I like that. I like that kind of stark imagery like that, you know. Yeah, I felt like for for this EP and kind of like because it is a little bit more you know stripped down i guess is fair to call it even though like i think the, the i'm stoked with how the production turned out on it but i guess just like structure wise it's pretty stripped down so i thought something stark would would match that vibe right and and in keeping with kind of style that you're doing with your pen and ink so yeah what are some of your like, kind of influences with like uh with the art oh man uh all over the place honestly um i guess like as far as like the, the black work and stuff goes, uh, Aubrey Beardsley's a big one. Uh, a lot of Art Nouveau stuff. I also like Harry Clark a lot. Um, obviously, my stuff's not as like intricately detailed as his. Kind of just focused on like um, values and shapes yeah. right now is kind of what I've been messing around with mostly rather than textures, but I'm sure I'll get more into that at some point. Uh, those are a couple as far as like black and white stuff. And then obviously like you got stuff like uh, old engravings, Gustave Dore, uh, Alric Durer. Um, but, you know, a lot of fantasy art and stuff as well. Uh, Frank Frazetta obviously is a big, a big, uh, a big one. <laughs> Boris Vallejo and Julie Bell stuff's really cool too. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. The um, I'm a big fan of Harry Clark as well. I um, I yeah. collect, collected like um, uh, like like for example, of Edgar Allan Poe, I have um, right. I have like uh, his, his book, you know, the one he did all the illustrations for, and uh, mm -hmm. I have like I collected Edgar Allan Poe editions, so I have uh, that yeah. one, and I have one that Arthur Rackham did. He's like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's his stuff's really cool too yeah and it's really cool about the one for the poe is that it's all the kind of black and white style because you know if mm -hmm. rack rackham like you know like for like say like uh his why um goddard am wrong like the wagner illustrations are more yeah. in like color and like uh maybe like watercolor mm -hmm. and pen and ink a little but... bit so a little bit softer i guess you could say yeah, but yeah, but the the one the Poe ones are like very kind of similar in a way to your your style. I feel like, and um, I really like that. That that's probably one of my favorites. That one and the Harry Clark are my favorite uh, Poe yeah. illustrations. I really like. Um, I think it's. I want to say it's the Mask of Red Death illustration that he did. Yeah, it's like perfect. It really captures like the feeling of that Mask of Red Death. Yeah, as well as I mean, I always keep in mind like um in um. Phantom of the Opera, like the silent movie, mm -hmm. you, have, you have the part where, um, where the the Phantom like goes to that masked ball, like in this like kind of costume that's kind of like the Red Death, yeah, like with a skull and everything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I did that for Halloween one year. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And yeah, I found like a uh, um, a full head. It's like a skull mask that covered your whole head, basically. And then, nice. uh, yeah, and it looked pretty cool. It looked pretty similar to what he did in that. And then I had like a hat that kind of looked like his hat, and you know, red red cape and stuff like so. Yeah, yeah that's cool. The um, I always had like weird weirdo costumes. Like I had like the red death, or like I did um, the headless horseman. My dad helped me with that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. Actually, uh, just I guess last summer went to Sleepy Hollow for the first time. Went to like the cemetery and stuff, and like the bridge that he's supposed to have ridden over in the story and stuff is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw a um, there's this uh, YouTube channel, and uh, I don't like all their videos, but they do some okay ones. Like it's called Grim Life Collective, and um, mm-hmm. they did one where they went to Sleepy Hollow during during like Halloween, and uh, yeah, I was like, oh my god, this city is so fucking beautiful. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's like it's tiny, and because I was there in the off season, like no one was there. But I'm sure it gets super crazy around Halloween. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I would probably go in like November or something when you still got like the leaves and everything. And yeah, 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 it would be cool for I sure. Know, but I know that Mike Kill, like uh, I was talking about it, and he's. I think he said that's like one of his favorite places. So yeah, I can I can see why. <laughs> I guess that's that's not too far from him either. No, I think it's pretty close to where he grew up as well, because he grew up mm. up in like, uh, from what I understand, he grew up in like uh, up, upstate New York, you know, uh, so right. not not too far from there. Cool. I've never really. That's one part of the country I've never really spent a lot of time in, though myself. The um. Yeah. Yeah, like I went through uh, on the train with my dad one time from Chicago to New York. Yeah. Um. And saw like Buffalo and all that that kind of stuff, but that was like in the the winter, so it was just all snow. And right. then um, I've been to New York City a bunch of times, and like New Jersey, because um, mm-hmm. my mom, my mom, my sister lived up there, so I spent more time in like Jersey and like uh, New York City. But yeah, like upstate New York and like New England areas, like I right. really have not spent much time. Yeah, I haven't spent a whole lot of time up there. I spent like a week in um Salem last year. Oh, Salem. And I, been, I went to I went to Providence once uh about 8 or 9 years ago. And that was cool, but that was just like for a couple days. I'd yeah, like I'd to go l- back up there. I'd love to go to Providence and do the uh like see all the Lovecraft sites and stuff. Yeah. I think for sure. I know I think maybe it's, it's not this year, but maybe next year when they have the Necronomicon again, I might try to hit that. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it too. I think they do alternate like every other year, and I think they had it last year. I think I talked about that with Mike. Yeah, because he went for like uh like I think a day or two. Yeah, but he he said that it was the best idea to go for like as many more days than you can because there's so much to do. Yeah, I'm sure there's like, yeah, like you're saying, just like a lot of other stuff you want to see. You want to go visit all the little Lovecraft story locations. Yeah, because like I I listened to a um uh a podcast. It used to be called HP Pot uh HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. So mm-hmm. it was like they go by like HP Podcraft or whatever. And um right. they uh I don't know because they changed their name now to like Strange Studies or Strange Stories. Cause, but um 
because they they kind of wanted to do more stuff in this weird fiction um yeah you know they did that pot they did that for like 10 years or something so uh they they went to to necronomicon a few times back in the you know like a little while ago i don't know i can't remember right. what when it was but from hearing them talk about it, it sound pretty cool like they even had like these little flyers like had it like where you could do like a walking tour seeing all the, the love craft sites and stuff oh yeah that's cool because yeah it'd be cool you know you can see like the house that inspired like the Ch- Ch- uh charles dexter ward and stuff yeah yeah that's kind of like what i did when the when i went up there for like a, a couple days um i started there i went to the house like the the housey house the one that charles dexter ward was supposed to like you know live in or whatever his house was based on yeah and uh just kind of walked around up there and kind of like i'm sure you're familiar with the story like the first whole big section is just talking about like his walks or whatever yeah. and kind of just basically that's what i did and it was just like oh you know there's that there's like sentinel hill or whatever there's this site there's this site i bet that's really cool though because the next time you know you read the story like you can like yeah it's vi- like vivid yeah vivid like you like literally like okay this is what these places look like i think that's pretty awesome yeah yeah for sure that's one of my favorite lovecraft things as well is uh yeah, case Charles X award. Yeah, I think yeah, that that's actually actually my favorite. Yeah, and I mean, I know you used the, the Kerwin name as well. So yeah, I yeah. I was like, yeah, I think that um, I think it's it's only it's probably probably my favorite as well because you got everything in it. You know, you got like mm-hmm. you got like the uh, ancient sorcery and you know all this stuff. It's so that's cool. Yeah. I just watched the uh, haunted palace the other night. The right. um, yeah the uh yeah. roger corman mm. it's, it's such a funny thing because it's like uh it's called the haunted palace which is of course named after a po like a uh, poem and that poem oh, is actually yeah. from the how- fall of the house of usher you know mm-hmm. which they did a version of already and then but they did the story the story is like based on charles x award so it's like right yeah it's kind of funny actually, but it's, What's that? I watched that I watched that movie for the first time last year also. Um I was actually kind of surprised how faithful to the story I guess it was. I mean it wasn't super faithful, but I was expecting it to be like tangentially related, you know. Yeah, no, they I think they did a good job. Like I mean, I saw it like um I don't know, like you know, ten years ago or something like right. like I was a teenager, like back when you had mm. Netflix DVDs, you know, yeah, and um, and it, it's pretty. It was it's pretty hard to find like an actual copy because I've been trying to yeah pick up a DVD of it and it's hard. So that's why it took me so long to watch it. <laughs> yeah, finally, uh, Amazon Prime has it streaming now. So yep, that's how I watched it last night, and so I hadn't seen it in a long time, and um. And in the in the time since I saw it the first time, I've also seen, also read Charles Dexter Ward like you know, you know three or four times or something. You know what I mean? Right. So Yeah. I uh, I think probably when I watched the first time, I had read it once. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was surprised. Like it's 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 a very much like a you they took like the story and they just broke it down to a way that you could do it in eighty minutes. You know, you got like yeah. instead of it's instead of there being like, you know, him kind of possessing him and then he brings him back to life. It's like a case of like, um, him being like 
kind of what do you call it, possessed you know possessed yeah. by by him which makes sense to me and then yeah, yeah i thought it was a pretty good like kind of condensation of the story into yeah it's a, it's a decent way to do it in 80 minutes like you said yeah so i think i mean what i was thinking though the other night when i was watching it, i was like it would be cool if we got like a proper like you know um miniseries version of yeah that, yeah that's what <laughs> that's what i've been thinking for a while as well it's like well now you got you know netflix and amazon and hbo or whatever like the way to do it i think would be in like a six-part miniseries or something like that yeah i think so because because yeah if you if you want to do like a real you know good version of it you you need a little bit more time to develop everything you know right i think that would be really cool i'd like that like if they did it right you know like yeah because like the like this cabinet of curiosity one they did was not very good for the lovecraft stories I didn't I didn't like it either. I liked um I really liked the Did you watch all the episodes? I haven't seen every single one. Yeah, but yeah, I I liked uh episode 7 the one where they like meet up at the the rich doctor's house or whatever. Uh I didn't see that one. Which one is that? Which I don't I I can't remember the title of it, but it's it's like the 7th episode. Okay. You'll yeah, have to he, check that one out because that one, that one to me is more Lovecraftian almost than the other stuff that was supposed to be Lovecraftian. Yeah, I need to watch some of the other ones. It, like, yeah, was, it, was, it, it's actually, I, I don't, I would say it's, it's maybe even closer to Laird Baron than Lovecraft, but I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. Yeah, I have to check that out. I, I need the other one. I need to watch still is the uh, Michael Shea story. Hmm. Um, I forget the name of the one of them is Michael Shea, and Michael Shea did um, uh, a lot of Lovecraft stories as well, which are pretty good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I kind of was put off by the by the, by the Lovecraft adaptation. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I think that the the one I'm talking about, I think was directed by the guy that did Mandy, but I'm not positive. Right, yeah, yeah. I've heard that's good. I need to check that one out. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. You should check it out. Yeah, because uh, what's his name? Um, Panos Cosmodos. Yes. Yeah. 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 His his dad is the one who did like Cobra and Tombstone and stuff. Like great director. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the um, yeah. I need to finish watching some of those. The uh, but you know, I'd like it if we did like a proper. Dexter Ward, where they didn't like mess with the story too much, you know. Yeah, there's another um, version of that story that I haven't seen, which came out in the '90s, uh, which is called like The Resurrected oh. or something. Have you ever seen yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, it's got Chris Sarandon in it. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It's you know, it's it's an adaptation for sure. It's not faithful, but I think I've only seen it once, but I remember enjoying it. Uh, from what I've heard, it's probably less uh, close than the uh, the other one, than the Haunted yeah. Palace one, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I think it is. I've, I'm pretty sure it's like set in modern times, but it's been forever since I've seen it. Yeah, what I heard is like modern times and, and the main character is like a private investigator or something like that. So. Yeah. Totally different, like almost like a noir version of, of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, Lovecraft, of course, is hard 
to do adaptations of like um i think i think haunted palace is a good one i think um i th I, I liked richard stanley's car out of space pretty good yeah thought it was pretty good yeah it was like it was definitely richard stanley version of lovecraft but <laughs> yeah um and uh yeah i don't think there's there's very many i mean obviously yeah. uh reanimator is actually a pretty good one yeah when i reread the reanimator story recently i was like yeah like i think Stuart gordon actually uh i mean some of the stuff that people like think is ridiculous in the movie like is from the story like the whole like yeah. guy with the head in the suitcase and everything <laughs> yeah it's like if you i mean if you read reanimator it is kind of silly and pulpy for lovecraft like more so than any of his other stuff i think well i think he did intend it almost as like a kind of comedic like you yeah. know he, there's always like the um kind of um at the end of every story you know you have like um herbert west being like oh it just wasn't fresh enough you know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like drats this is what was what went wrong this time yeah like every time yeah. so i think um lovecraft's like uh sense of humor was kind of kind of funny though <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure it was just like not the kind of things that normal people think is funny but I, yeah but i get it you know and i think it's funny yeah. like so i think that reality is that Stuart gordon did a great job of uh capturing the tone of the story right and i had heard an interview with him where um I, like when he did the story, when he did the movie, that that story was not in print. Like he had to find like a old um, version of it in like a library or something to be able to read. Oh it. wow! Yeah. So him doing the movie actually may like uh, encourage people to put it into print if, again. Finally, yeah. Right. I guess I guess that kind of makes sense because if he wrote it in the eighties, I mean, I guess there were like the. the like the Ballantine and Del Rey little paperbacks, but I don't remember seeing any of those that had Reanimator in it. So I guess that tracks. Yeah, I think the Reanimator is in the third Del Rey um, version, like the one that says like the transition of H.U. Lovecraft. Mm, yeah. And I think that one came out the last. Like I think that right. came out. Yeah, the, later. Yeah, like late 80s, early 90s. I yeah. have to look. Yeah, because so yeah, that's, that's kind of cool that he in a way influenced you know getting that back into print yeah and i actually had um, at the library when i was a kid one of the first that uh, reanimator is ironically one of the first lovecraft stories i ever read because um i was looking for his books at the library and um yeah. they had a, a a volume that was like an illustrated version of the story reanimator it was mm -hmm. li literally just reanimator with like drawings and yeah. i think it was almost kind of a tie-in to the movie in a way interesting yeah i don't remember it too well but i remember that was the first time i read reanimator and uh yeah that's the first lovecraft story i read <laughs> yeah i can't i can't remember exactly what the first one i read was i know that i got i got into lovecraft in high school um and the only thing like it was you know not super difficult but it, it was kind of hard to get a hold of his stuff i think the only thing that was like available mass market wise were the um the three volume penguin classics so whatever whatever's in the first volume of that was probably what i read first yeah i, I got 
I got the uh, the Del Rey editions originally. Mm-hmm. Um, like nice. I got I got the Blood Curdling Tales one. Yeah, the Michael Whelan cover. Uh, yeah, so those are the ones I got at first. Was the Del Rey editions? Like I got mm-hmm. I got that Blood Curdling Tales one of the I think the intro is from Robert Block, and um, uh, yep i I got that one. Uh, I don't know, was an adolescent or something. And uh, right. I can't I can't say that I fully understood Lovecraft when I was a teen, <laughs> you know a teenager, yeah. right? Uh, but I was definitely fascinated by it. And you know, there's some stories that I understood better than others. You know, mm-hmm. and so what I could grasp, like I really like, made me like it enough to keep going right. back. And then I got yeah. the Dream Quest book, the dreams mm-hmm. one that Delray did. That's the second one, and then I finally got the transition. Uh, of H. Lovecraft later on, nice and uh, yeah. So that was what I started with was was that three volume set. And then I remember when it, Lovecraft like really like fully clicked with me. Even you know I'd read him a lot like as a kid and a teenager and stuff. But I remember when it really clicked with me was I was probably like in my early twenties and I reread mm-hmm. all of them like from beginning. You know, yeah. And it, it was just like that thing like. Like I had a similar experience reading the Silmarillion, for example, where it's like, mm-hmm. like you kind of all of a sudden like the the language just clicks with you, and then it's just super easy right. to read, you know. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's like, uh, it's like now, like I remember being a you know teenager or something struggling with Silmarillion, and then then one day you kind of read it and it kind of clicks, and you're like, oh, now right. I can just read this like a normal book, you know what I mean? Like you don't have <laughs> yeah. this problem with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Lovecraft is not the easiest to just jump into if you haven't been exposed to it before. Yeah, it takes a little work. Little work, I think, more so than like Howard. Like I was definitely, yeah, probably more into Conan. Like when I was a kid, right? Yeah. Well, Howard's stuff like jumps off the page, and Lovecraft you have to invest in. Exactly. Yeah. Like Howard's stuff like has this like in inner vitality that just like yeah, yeah. Like I remember reading like. Um, I have a collection called Wolf's Head, like like paperback, yeah. you know, like that. Mm-hmm. It's got like uh, Blackstone and all his horror stories, and yeah, um, you know, like Blackstone's reading... one of my favorite, one of my favorite Howard stories. Yeah, me too. I love that one, and uh, yeah, that's why it was one one of the first stories me and Mike covered for Elder's Tales nice. was like, I was like, we got to cover fucking Blackstone. Yeah, that one, that one was a big uh influence on the the last uh all hell full length actually oh really yeah i also saw that you got like um some like references like bottle air and stuff as well yeah yeah for sure uh a lot of like that and just decadent movement art and poetry uh wisman uh laba and against nature yeah stuff like that I love all that stuff. Did you ever read um, uh, The Torture Garden? I think by Merbel, I think his name is. Octave. No, I haven't. Yeah, Octave Merbel, I think is that. Yeah. U. Yeah. You should definitely read that one if you're into like. Yeah, Torture Garden, you said? Yeah, if you're into French decadent literature, um, yeah, yeah that, that's a classic, like, um, in that, that movement. And yeah, I, haven't, I need to. I haven't read it. Yeah, I definitely need to. It's, I think you can get it like there's like a Grove Press, and then um, uh, the 
the um what do you call it the publisher that does like the gust of Marink ones as a version as well mm-hmm. yeah um, a lot the problem i ran into with a lot of that stuff is some of the stuff that gets recommended it's hard to find in english other than you know like the really the really big ones yeah uh yeah i've read but, some of like they they like the torture garden is a good one also uh is it les Dial- diaboliques mm. how do you pronounce that in french like uh, yeah yeah um that one's a really good one too uh i'm trying to remember the guy's name he was like one of the premier like um french decadent like writers he's like the guy one of the guys who um like uh trying like kind of was like a big fan of like who's hoisman's and everything i'm trying mm-hmm. to remember his name um yeah i'm really into all that stuff and uh yeah it's cool stuff that's one yeah. kind of one of the reasons I, i'm a big uh arthur mackin fan as well because i feel like his stuff kind of was decadent horror kind of merged the two together a little bit yeah i agree definitely and then he was kind of in the same grouping as like um as like you know uh the same time period as like oscar wilde and um yeah all, you know blackwood and all these, all these guys who yeah. were part of the golden dawn you know yeah was, yeah it was, that was the next thing i was gonna say he was in the golden dawn for a while it's interesting yeah i mean you had a lot of people in golden dawn like um and you know like uh oh fuck what's his name the irish author uh uh yates yates yeah yates was there. yeah um yeah so i feel like i feel like there was like yeah this kind of english deck in a movement was really interesting yeah yeah and um and yeah i've always been really into like symbolists and and all right that, that movement yeah and, as far as everywhere and like um those one, those guys the the symbolist painters are also another artistic influence i guess just to go back to what we were talking about earlier yeah me i love the i have a bunch of books about the symbolist movement and mm-hmm. everything and uh yeah that's one of my favorite things like and i feel like the symbolist movement and the whole decadent movement at the turn of the century um was really important because it really more like you know like in the history of art they talk more about like i don't know impressionism or some bullshit like that but yeah. the reality is that like symbolism um was a far more important art movement and as far as to me as far as like the art that really matters because like mm-hmm. you, if you didn't have the symbolist movement you wouldn't have like expressionism and like surrealism and stuff like that like both yeah. ex- expressionism and surrealism built on the ground that symbolism laid you know yeah for sure it's kind of like a turning point of i don't know like uh decadent movement symbolist movement kind of were you know philosophical in a way i guess rather than technical um and kind of helped define art i guess you know a lot of it and a lot of it was like at least for the for the decadent movement was like art for art's sake, you know, rather than rather than uh, you know trying to do like a religious depiction or whatever. And then symbolists kind of built on that and you know imbued new meanings that weren't necessarily based on these you know morality tales or whatever that a lot of the Renaissance stuff focused on. Yeah, and then I think it was also like symbolist movement was also break away from 
the kind of realist and impressionist movements as well. Yeah. Because even though realists and impressionists were at odds with each other at the time, they both like kind of represented a similar type of like boring, like kind of pictorial, kind of like, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's prints, you know, landscapes and flowers right. and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's also like, I don't know, t- to me, those are more technical movements that care more about the style of the painting rather than the intent, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Like where symbolism was positing the intent and and the symbol was more and the object was more important than like, uh, than like, you know, trying to do something perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I have a cool book. uh, You may have seen it or read it. It's called Dreamers of Decadence. And it's about like decadent and symbolist painters and the history behind that and stuff. It's got a lot of good good stuff in it i actually haven't that that sounds like something i'd like a lot (laughs) yeah i'll have to have to send you the send you that later yeah definitely Uh, i'll send you the the torture garden and the the other one uh, yeah uh, the other one i can't remember the author's name off the top of my head yeah did you ever read um maldora uh no i haven't that one's pretty crazy one yeah really uh, yeah i like that it's like it's like it's very it's like a very pessimistic you know decadent mm-hmm. book like uh i i i definitely recommend that one as well yeah the um yeah that's, that's definitely my my kind of my kind of thing like when i was young i remember my dad had a copy of uh a bottle air like flowers of evil it was like the mm-hmm paperback that had like was black and it only had like selections from it mm-hmm. i think I, I don't remember what the company was i still have it um they did like two versions they did like one that was like the full flowers of evil and they did a one they did like little selections of it and that's what i had and re- i remember reading nice. that and like uh just being blown away like yeah this is this is my kind of thing you know like <laughs> yeah and then from there kind of getting more and more into all that kind of stuff. And then as well as um, I've always been really into like German expressionism and, mm-hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff. And I like a lot of surrealists as well. Yeah. I think my first exposure to Baudelaire was in college, actually um, in an art history class. We had a, we read one of his essays because he, you know, was an art critic also. Uh, yeah. I think the essay was the, the painter of modern life. I read that and kind of got into his his poetry in reverse from there. Yeah, I um, I I have like you know booked as like a lot of his essays and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. As I've read, I read that one in the past, like and um, or like his uh, uh, was it Paris Spleen, like the one with all yes, the yes, yeah. Yeah, I got I got that one. I got a couple different flowers of evil, and then I have one that's a bunch of his essays. Yeah, I have I have multiple edition, multiple translations of flowers of evil. I think I have three or four. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing with with uh, I don't know poetry, especially like you know, sometimes one translation's just not enough. Makes me want to learn French so I can stop buying translations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uh, that's a that's the thing, like with like a lot of books I've translated, I end up buying different translations. Uh, yeah, 
you know, via novels, like I have like different translations of Kafka or Dostoevsky yeah. or, you know, like uh, different writers. And also, also, I'm just, I don't know, I'm bad to collect things. So if <laughs> if it's a, a book that I already know I like and it has a cool cover that I don't already have, I'll pick it up, so whatever. Yeah, I don't know I do. how many how many multiple copies of every Lovecraft thing I have. It's probably, it's it's way too many, but you know, you know how that goes. Yeah, I bought um <laughs> even though I already have like all the Delray ones and some other Lovecraft editions that I found, I <laughs> I also picked up uh all the penguin editions as it the that you know that you're talking about the uh, S yeah. Joshi like edited. Yeah. Yeah. Because I because I want Those are pretty good. Yeah, I think they're good. Like I think um the nice thing about that is that uh I guess even some of the Delray ones, they did some like textual editing in the sense of like paragraphs and stuff like that. Yeah. So, which is a common thing with Lovecraft was that they, a lot of editors would break up his paragraphs and things like that. Right. And uh, I guess S.G. Joshi, like on that version, like basically those Penguin ones are like the definitive editions of, of Lovecraft stories in yeah. a way. Uh, they don't have everything yeah. though, you know, but. Right. Yeah. But the, They're missing the, some stuff. Yeah, but the versions of the stories that's in there are going to be the definitive to the original vision of Lovecraft, like, you know, be like the paragraphs yeah. or sentence mm -hmm. breaks and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. Yeah. I feel like a lot of his annotations and stuff are pretty good, too. Yeah, overall. There's times where I disagree with him, like, um, mm -hmm. like, like you know, uh, Dreams of Witch House is like one of, one of my favorite stories by him, and and that's why Mike and I covered it. I think that I think that was like the first one we covered, and because um, I love that story, and it was like you know S.G. Joshi and his annotations obviously doesn't like that story very much. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, it's it's. I find it weird what which stories he likes and doesn't like usually. But like when he so when he's giving information rather than <laughs> rather than his opinion, it's usually good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not not that all of his opinions are wrong, but you know. I, I also have a thing where some of the ones that he really doesn't like, I enjoy. Yeah. And I have um, one of his annotated Lovecraft books, you know, where he did like the full like annotation with like pictures and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. I have like volume two of that. Cause I found it at a store one time. Right. I have a weirdo, like ver like Lovecraft book that came out like in the eighties that Colin Wilson edited. <laughs> like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Just like, you know, if I if I might uh, like use bookstore and I find like a cool version of Lovecraft book that I don't have, I buy it. Like, I have, yeah. I have a bunch of the little paperbacks and like from yeah. you know some the like, little paperbacks have cool covers. Yeah, I particularly like the one. There was like I think three ones, maybe like, it's in the sixties or seventies. I forget. Mm -hmm. Those ones they're are like psychedelic cool. ones. Yeah, they're like really these like weird kind of psychedelic like um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or yeah, like I really love um, uh, horror book art from like the sixties and stuff, mm -hmm. where there's like these paintings and they're always like really stereotypical, like you know, like the yeah. haunted haunted mansion with like ghosts and stuff. I just love that shit. Right. Yeah, I like a lot of uh, also just like the like the logos, the fonts that they use for the book titles and stuff. There's a lot of really cool design that went on. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll do a lot of really interesting stuff like 
I love I love those like um I have like uh um books that I found at these bookstores that are like, you know, old paperbacks from the sixties and seventies about like supernatural stuff that have like cool covers mm -hmm. as well. That's cool. The um yeah, I'm like I like that. You know, sometimes the and sometimes the books have some cool stuff in them too, you know, like yeah. uh, stories of like haunted events and stuff like that. Yeah, or stuff that's like sometimes I'll find really old uh like collect collections like that that'll have short stories that are hard to get in other places, you know. That'll happen too, yeah. If you can find like like short story collections and stuff like Yeah. I I usually look for the ones that I the ones that I look for usually are uh Carl Edward Wagner stuff that I don't have already or um mainly Wade Wellman stuff because his stuff's kind of hard to get a hold of now. Yeah, and just random I, stuff. I noticed that there's just like one Manly well Wade Wellman book available on like Amazon and stuff right now. Yeah. The um and yeah, Carl Edward Wagner obviously is like uh you know, in a lonely place just got released recently, but mm -hmm. um a lot of his stuff's like fucking really hard to find. I've been like I got like his uh Brand McMorn novel and I got his Conan novel recently. Yeah. Uh, which are both both pretty good. I re I, nice. I I like the Brad McMoran one. It's got some really cool like horror elements to it. Yeah, the Road of Kings like his Conan story was kind of weird because I was kind of expecting it to be a you know maybe have like a horror element to it, and it does not at all. But yeah. it's like a very like, interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting story at least you know. Yeah, I'd like to get a hold of more of the Kane stuff. The only Kane book I have is Bloodstone, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully, someone will put that stuff into print yeah like you can get like the paperbacks like i mean i know that mike just got completed his paperback cane collection and they're like 30 to 60 dollars each one <laughs> and uh yeah i think i think that's i probably paid 25 or 30 for bloodstone yeah and uh there is like there was like a hardcover collection of all his cane novels and cane stories it was a two volume yeah. set and that fucker goes for like five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, so. I looked it up uh, probably probably three months ago, and was just like, uh, not right now. Yeah, it's like three hundred to five hundred dollars or something like. Like I, I got I got lucky and and came across a copy of uh, where the summer ends for really cheap. Oh, cool! I yeah. guess that's the first first volume of that uh, Centipede Press put out. I don't have the second volume, but I'm I got my eyes out for it. Yeah. Did you pick up um the reprint of In a Lonely Place already? I didn't yet. I need yet. to though. That just came out what, like a month or two ago? Yeah, it came out like February or Jan nice. January. Yeah, I just got I got it and uh uh Mike has that where Summer Ends collection and um I guess this one has there's like a few stories in it that are not it's not in that that collection you have mm. so no, uh, nice like the story that we're covering uh, in the pines is not covered in there um it's not in, in your your one i don't think so yeah i definitely recommend yeah, and then I've, it's like 20 bucks got, you know yeah definitely worth it uh i've got a few like i was talking about just like short story collections that are compilations from random authors that i've collected carl edward wagner stuff over the years yeah, that's literally the only way that I've read Wagner before 
the in the pines mm -hmm. came out or before i got the conan brand mcmoran books because uh mm -hmm. was having like these short story collections that had stories in it you know <laughs> yeah i had one that had like sticks and i had one that has river nice dreaming and uh, yeah it's also so it's kind of cool uh because he was from knoxville which is only about uh an hour and a half two hours from where i'm at so it's kind of there are a few of his stories the horror stories where uh it's kind of like the lovecraft thing we were talking about earlier in providence it's like you can go to knoxville and like walk these streets that are that he talks about in these stories and it's it's pretty cool that's awesome i didn't know yeah that the, you're i was yeah so you're out in um are you in uh, Asheville, north carolina okay you're in Asheville. one of my one of my yeah. best friends like uh used to live in Nashville for a long time nice uh, yeah, one of my friends also moved out to Rock Hill, uh, South Carolina. Okay. So yeah, yeah, whatever. not too far. Not too far. Yeah, the um, we drove through Asheville, and you, he, when I moved, we moved him out there. <laughs> cool. Uh, the uh, yeah, that area is like real, like fucking, like uh, got a real eerie vibe, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. I I actually live out like pretty much in the woods, like outside of Asheville so it's you know all kinds of spooky hills out here yeah like um is it in Asheville there's like some type of like uh mount mountain that's got like weird ghost lights uh, uh yeah it's near uh brown mountain lights I think yeah that's the one I'm not sure how how far it is but it's like in the it's in the area for sure yeah I, I there's like a podcast called like monsters among us that um mm -hmm. i've listened to like uh uh nas from aquis that sent it to me he's like and i checked it out and um what i was listening to while i was working for a few days and i was like there was like multiple stories about the this brown mountain lies people seeing them and stuff oh yeah that's and, like, cool. trying to like explore like what's going on like as far as i understand it's still pretty much like um uh something they don't know why why, why it does that so <laughs> yeah <it's cool. laughs> yeah pretty much Maybe it is like uh some like fairy lights or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> the um yeah, that I I've been through Knoxville as well, like a couple times, like driving through. But uh mm -hmm. yeah, the Appalachians are really cool. That's another area that I, I wanna try to go to more. Yeah. Um it's a, it's a cool cool area. Yeah. I need to learn more about Wagner himself. Like uh I need to watch that documentary about him. Mm -hmm. uh it's on vimeo I, yeah i just watched that earlier or i guess late last year even though it's been out for a while it's just i never got around to watching it but it's it's definitely worth watching i think yeah i mean i i didn't even know that it existed until probably like the end of the last year like yeah somebody i know posted about it i was like there's a fucking documentary about wagner I have no <laughs> idea <laughs> yeah so yeah I need to yeah it's pretty cool i mean anything I'm like I'm glad that you and Mike are doing that miniseries or whatever about Wagner because anything that brings more you know awareness about his stuff is helpful. Yeah, that's kind of the uh, uh, the intention, you know, like is to uh, mm -hmm. to kind of spread the word about his work and and also encourage people to pick up the In a Lonely Place. Like, um... yeah, because if pe more people buy that one, then the more likely they are to reprint more of his stuff. Exactly. That's my thought process. Like, 
so so it's kind of a funny thing because it's like i want them to buy the book so that encourages them to release more wagner so that i can read it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of a so it's not, like not entirely altruistic intentions but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it helps everybody yeah it's like right because it's like it's like so hard to get his shit so yeah and so it's unfortunate because i mean all these other guys i mean you can get like almost everybody except for him and Manuel Wade Wellman. I mean, a lot of these authors yeah. are pretty easy to get a hold of their, their, their stuff. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what the, uh, like what the copyright status on either of those guys stuff is. I don't know. I wonder if that has much to do with it at all. It's probably like the States, like not really doing a lot to, to promote, yeah. promote them, you know? And um, yeah, I know that like, I'm friends with people who are like weird fiction writers and stuff. And I know that they've been trying to, you know, talk about, talk more about Wagner and try to encourage mm-hmm. like the state to, to release the books. So yeah, I hope, I hope that happens. Cause um, this, this what needs to happen. And I mean, the, the reason Wa- Wellman even got more in print was because of Wagner. So, you know, right. Yeah. Like he was like instrumental in, in, yeah, he, yeah. he really helped helped i mean i guess you know i guess he kind of viewed him as a little bit of a mentor and then you know he helped get the word out about his stuff mm-hmm. even in the um brand mcmorn novel uh there's a uh quote at the beginning from manuel wellman you know nice like, yeah so and i that's i haven't read too much by manuel wellman uh they covered it on hp podcraft so i've heard mm-hmm. like a bunch of his stories on there yeah, but uh, I haven't read too much by him. But there was also the if you read the the Hellboy, um, I don't know if you're into Hellboy, but there's like a, uh, I think it's like a there's a little mini Hellboy series called The Crooked Man, I think, where it's uh kind of inspired by Manny Wade, Wade Wellman. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I haven't read that. Yeah, it's sick, and and then I've heard that apparently they're going to be trying to make a movie of that one. So oh, nice. Which um you know and 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 um what's his name uh, Mike Magnolia like you know is very clear on that Wellman was his inspiration you know and maybe mm-hmm. maybe he'll try to maybe that'll help get some Wellman in print if that movie comes out yeah that would be cool I know a lot of his his stuff like the John the Belladier series or whatever set in Appalachia and a lot of his other stuff is too so yeah it's pretty cool yeah so Silver John yeah yeah the um yeah so that's it's kind of like mike magnolia did that story kind of based like as if instead of silver john it was like hellboy walked into a situation but you know <laughs> yeah that's cool the same type of one and you like the kind of like you know appalachian folklore and like the devil shows up and there's like a appalachian yeah. witches and stuff you know yeah it's like kind of a weird par- parallel to uh solomon kane yeah, in a way, yeah. Except for like, Solomon Kane's like this like grim like fucking Puritan <laughs> yeah. guy, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I love the Solomon Silver, Kane. Silver John's a little bit less grim. <laughs> a little bit less grim, yeah. I am. Um, I had actually uh, not really read much Solomon Kane until I think it was um, I don't know, two years ago or something. I got mm-hmm. the Solomon Kane collection and read through it all. And I was like, man, this shit's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Who was it that put that out? They also did the three Conan ones 
Uh, that was Delray. Yeah. Yeah. Those all, are good. All of their editions of Conan are, in my opinion, the definitive ones, you know, because they're based mm-hmm. off of the original stories that um, Carl Edward Wagner, like, was instrumental yeah, yeah, in getting I was published. Say, I, yeah. I think he, he helped, you know, he, he did the st joshi thing where he like went back to the originals and you know combined compiled and edited the way that they were meant to be presented exactly and that's what you know and that's del rey ended up you know taking up the baton like after uh his death and released those 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 editions you know and uh yeah yeah, those are like those are like uh all of them are essential like the solomon kane the uh horror stories one horror the horror one is cool too i love that one yeah i read i i got that around the same time i got the solomon kane one and there was a lot of stories in there that you know weren't in like the wolfside collection and stuff that i never read before and i i really liked them yeah like his his take on kind of horror i think is really like interesting and and really like um and in a way like a lot of his horror stuff that he started doing toward you know over time kind of ended up being like his version of what Mike Manuel Delman was doing like where it's like uh set in like you know Texas or you know that area you know what I mean like the southwest yeah like regional yeah and that's like I feel like that's where most horror writers excel is when they you know set things in places that they know because there's so much, it's so much easier to make it come alive, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I mean, that's essentially what Lovecraft did. He, he set his stories in, you know, yeah. Providence and in the new England that he loved. And, you know, he put a lot, and even when he was making yeah. up stuff like Arkham and everything, you know, he, uh, tried yeah. to infuse it with places that he's, he'd been still know? very much a new England town. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I know that, um, I forget the guy's name. There's one guy who did like um, a book specifically about the locations of uh, um, Lovecraft's like, I think I can't remember this guy's name. It's Ken something. Um, um, Kenneth Height. Kenneth Ken Height, Height, yeah. Yeah, Ken Height. Yeah, he did the uh, yeah. books about like the um, Lovecraft locations, I think. And, uh, and mm-hmm. he was talking about like an interview I heard of him like about, um, you know, you can kind of uh unearth like even in his fictional cities you can unearth like the originals of stuff that he kind of based certain buildings off of and whatnot you know yeah be yeah it's in- really cool yeah be it Innsmouth or you know arkham or whatever yeah uh, i really yeah i think that's cool like um i know that ramsey campbell when he did his uh um Lovecraft stories, his mythos stories. He did the same thing where he created like a English version, and, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Severn Valley, I think. Yeah, I think that's the something name, like yeah. that. Yeah, I just I haven't have, read as much Campbell as I would like, but I have not either. I got his love. His there's like a couple of books you can get are his Lovecraft stories that are more recently released, yeah. like. Um. And, you know, like the first one, I think it's like the dweller on a threshold or something. I forget the name of it. Um, right. Yeah. It's definitely written by a teenager. You know, you can tell it was written by a teenager, but it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but I and then his other one uh, he wrote on his older is pretty good too. But I actually need to get into his his fiction proper. I still haven't really read too much by him. Like as far as like his you know non non Lovecraftian stuff. Yeah, like his own his own stuff. Yeah, I mostly read it in like um, short story collections. Yeah. Yeah, I love when you can go to like a used bookstore and get like a like I last year around Halloween I got this um um it was like a collection of like novellas, horror novellas and it had like a bunch of cool stuff in it like uh like Stephen King one and like all these really great novellas that I don't have in any other collection right. and uh I you know I found it for like $4 or something it came out in the 80s or something. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah that shit, it's always, it's always cool to find stuff like that i'm always diving in at the <laughs> the used bookstores looking for that type of thing yeah and i think that collection might be edited by ramsey campbell from her correctly so you know it's like nice he did a lot of those like story editing back in the day as well still does mm-hmm. particularly in the 80s he did a lot of that so you can find these like old eighties like story collections and like oh cool it's like edited by Ramsey Campbell or edited by Carl Edward Wagner or somebody you know <laughs> right yeah and you're like oh yeah four dollars or you know you hit like a fucking um, sometimes you can find good stuff at like uh, thrift stores too yeah someone I know yeah, there's a decent there's that? a decent uh you, there's a decent used bookstore across from the uh gym where i work out so it's kind of a, of a ritual go work out and then go look for books <laughs> my friend who li- used to live in Nashville always used to tell me about some like um it was like an it was like a antique bookstore there like with like all these like old books that he used to go to i don't mm-hmm. know if it's still there or not but yeah <laughs> uh, nice but, yeah he used to he got into like all these like old books for a little while it's kind of funny like buying like books in the <laughs> 1700s and stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish I was doing that. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I'd love, you know, I'd love to be like uh, Johnny Depp in the ninth gate, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Book detective guy. Like that'd be sick. Yeah. I'd like to have some of those early, uh, uh, like the first press uh, Arkham house stuff would be sick to have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like um, yeah, there's a lot of cool, cool stuff out there. There's like too much cool stuff, and you know, like you know, not enough money. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> too too many, too many interests. Yeah. Too many like, cool books. Yeah, and and also like on top of it, like you know, and like I like buying movies and stuff. Like I'm kind of I'm trying right now yeah. to complete my hammer. Uh, collection the hammer horror like as far as like dracula and frankenstein and stuff like like i just need to get mm-hmm. like two more of the dracula movies and yeah i just recently completed like my current scene trilogy because like the last one twins of evil like has only been in print in the states for like a year or something you know right yeah yeah movies that up for sure yeah it's like there's too much like between movies and books and then like yeah like albums and stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you try to collect records, yeah, it all adds up. Yeah, with records, I become like, um, like I'll buy stuff that I really like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I've had to 
do also. Yeah, because like I have a limited amount of money, and and yeah, like a lot of times I'll admit, I'll admit like books and movies kind of take the place for albums sometimes. But you know, the ones yeah. that I really like, or I know I'm gonna get a good good or you know pack package, uh, pick up like an album. Yeah, it's like for for older stuff. Like I feel like during COVID, the, the collectibles market went insane for pretty much any kind of collectible you can imagine. It's kind of calmed down now, but was really bad there for a while yeah well i can um attest like um for example like i've been trying to get a copy of silent hill one on yeah. playstation and yeah before covid it was like you know 50 to maybe 80 dollars right mm-hmm. after covid it's like 200 dollars. <laughs> yeah i believe it man it's, it's crazy like ridiculous yeah i've just been keeping my eyes open hoping i'll find a cheap one you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I don't know what the deal is. Like why why COVID was like oh now everything's gonna like go up in price like everything in the world. You know? I don't know. Just like everyone's stuck at home and the government's sending people free money, which you know isn't really that much. But people are like, we got to spend this on something, and we can't go anywhere. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. Like I mean, I didn't get that the money during COVID because I was working the whole time. But <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I was like, oh, and I know a lot of people got like a lot of money during that. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people who blew it all in like DoorDash and shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, did he ever, I, I mentioned him earlier. Have you ever read uh, Gustav May- Mayrink? I haven't. I definitely recommend checking him out. I would recommend buying um, The Gollum. Start with that yeah. one. And uh, okay. see if you like it. Like, I I got that no, that book last year, and I got kind of obsessed with his stuff. And I bought all of his all of his books, and also a biography about him you can find. And um, I think uh, I, I think I've seen the Gollum before at at places. So yeah, I definitely recommend picking it up if you can, because I think uh, with a lot of stuff you like, I think you dig it. Like it's like you know um it's set in like prague like i think uh, like maybe the 1800s or something you know and um yeah it has a lot of really interesting stuff going on like it's kind of like a lot of symbol symbolism in it and a lot of stuff like inspired by alchemy as well like uh, gustav mm-hmm. eric was very like involved with like the occult and alchemy and stuff so his work has nice. a lot of that in it yeah so, very cool i'll have to check it out yeah i definitely recommend it yeah like i got on like a tarot like i think it was probably around like i don't know september october last year where i just like read like i read i didn't read everything i bought everything by him but i haven't read everything i there's still a couple novels <laughs> yeah. i need to read <laughs> that's usually what i do too is i'll find something and obsess over it and collect way too much of it yeah but <laughs> yeah i I need to uh, to uh, circle back and and get those. I there's so many books that I buy. I just buy books all the time, and yeah, you know, I have like a to read pile that's like huge. But I'm okay with that. Like yep. my my perspective, you know, I have like a huge library, like like a lot of a lot of bookshelves, and um, mm-hmm. I like it. I like having like a library where it's like, yeah, I haven't read everything. I buy stuff, and then I I might not read it for like years, you know. And that's okay yeah. with me, you know. <laughs> same, same. Honestly, uh, <laughs> do you juggle books? Like, do you read multiple books at a time, or do you stick with one and go all the way through? 
uh, <clears throat> well, sometimes I try to to just stick with one and read all the way through. Um, yeah. And other times I uh, have the yeah, I have the habit of reading. Like right now, I've been real like ADD of books recently, where I read like mm-hmm. I'm reading like you know four books right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I try. I I do try to break that sometimes because then I end up not finishing any of them. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> I can relate. I'm, I think I'm reading three or four books right now too. It's I think it helps if if like one of them is you, you change the genre up or you have like a cool nonfiction book and two cool fiction books of different genres or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I end up doing. Like right now, I have two short story collections. I'm reading, which is. Uh, in a lonely place and then i recently got to rouse leviathan by matt carden yeah which i if you haven't read that i reckon highly recommend it. it's amazing and uh so i've been like going back and forth reading like a story at a time either at either one of those and then i have like right. an, an occult book that i've been working my way through called diabolical narcissism mm-hmm. and then uh and then i have like um a book I'm rereading, which I've read multiple times, which is about hammer horror called Nightwalkers. And so I'll read a little bit of that, like about some of the the movies and remind myself about, cause I'm like on a hammer kick right now. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So that's like what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm juggling uh, right now. I'm juggling a uh, Lovecraft biography called in the mountains of madness by, uh, Scott Poole, I think, is the guy's name. It's not very good. Don't rec- don't recommend it. Cool, good to know. I was just about uh, to ask. <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I'm reading a uh, compilation of, I guess, stories inspired by Laird Barron's mythos called "Children of Old Leech," which has been okay so far. I need to get more into Laird Barron. He's like one of the authors I have not read anything yet by. Yeah, I, you for sure should. I, I'll uh, I'll send you a list of like what I would recommend. Cool. First. Yeah, I need to yeah. need to dig into him. So that that's pretty cool. And then I'm reading uh, "Memories, Dreams, and Reflections" by Carl Jung. Cool. Yeah, I've read that. Like, uh, yeah, uh, I very much in the and the young like um, I read that one when I was probably like 18 or something. And um, yeah, uh, I. A few years ago, uh, well, I guess it would be like, I don't know, five five years ago or some six years ago or something. I um, I, I tried. I basically, I I used. I have the intention eventually of having his complete collected works. You know. Yeah. But I started with getting all of his books about alchemy. So right. I mean, I collected like the only thing about alchemy that I don't have yet is the black uh, the red book. Yeah, which that uh, just kind of got published sort of recently right like in the past five or ten years i want to say yeah and there's like two versions of it you can buy the big hardcover which the, is like the that the one with the illustrations for the illustrations which is like you know a yeah. hundred dollars or something and then there's also yeah. a, a reader's version that is the just the text mm-hmm. which is like twenty dollars which yeah i eventually i'd like to have both but yeah i might start with right. the reader's one but Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I have everything else of of his that he wrote on alchemy, and uh, I read all of that like I think like over a course of like a couple of years, like twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
2019 as well. Uh, between those years, I've collected all of them and read all all of his books about alchemy, which is really cool. I really like his stuff a lot. Yeah, kind of a link between uh, psychology and more esoteric stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think um, I think his work on alchemy is pretty interesting. Like, um, I uh, I think that he breaks a lot of it down in a real interesting way and um yeah i mean a lot of this stuff is is like very re- relevant to anybody who's into the uh the occult or esoteric stuff you know yeah there's a few like uh and i, I think um between him and then i think the julius Savola book uh the hermetic tradition and um mm-hmm. there's another author uh book called psychology and alchemy which forget the author's name that came out in the twenties. That's pretty good. That came out actually before a lot of Young's work, but it was like more of a Freudian interesting version of alchemy. Yeah. Uh, but still pretty interesting. And um, yeah, the, the, when you get really into the alchemy, alchemy stuff, like it's funny. Cause um, you can, I'll like read like actual alchemical texts and I'll be like, kind of be able to decipher the symbolism, understand what, this, what they're saying, you know, after yeah. All. So it's I like I think which I think is cool because if you don't understand the process of alchemy, it just seems like gibberish. But when you do understand the process mm-hmm. of alchemy, suddenly it make all these texts make so much sense, you know? Yeah. It's kind of the same thing as like I was saying with like reading like uh the Silmarillion or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think Memories Memories, <laughs> Dreams and Reflections is a really cool good book by him. I I've been meaning to go back and reread it again. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's one of those that you'd probably get, you know, if you reread it, you'd get more stuff from it that you didn't get the first time. Yeah, particularly now, like after like doing what I just said, like reading like so much of his work, you know, it's like right when I read it's a it whole first... different lens to to think of it through. Yeah, exactly. When I read it first time when I was like 18, I had only read like the uh, portable young, you know. Yeah, which my mom gave me like. And so, like, uh, yeah, it's a whole different ballgame when you've read, like, you know, thousands of pages of somebody's work, and then you go back to yeah, his autobiography. Sure. <laughs> uh, but I, I liked reading it because it made me kind of self-reflect as well, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that's one of the real interesting things about about reading that is uh, I remember reading it and then kind of having this self-reflection uh, on my, you know, very... Yeah. Felt very introspective after I finished reading it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes I will force myself to not go back and forth between books and try to like, oh, I'm going to finish this book, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have to. I, uh, it's kind of good to have to, to kind of uh, wield that kind of mental determination because, uh, it does help with a lot of things because if you let the, the ADD like get a hold too much, like <laughs> you wonder, yeah, it could be like frustrating. It's sometimes. hard, hard not to nowadays. Yeah, it is. I am. Um, I do really like. I've become a grown, bigger and bigger fan of short story collections, though, because it's perfect. Like, because you can literally just sit and read a short story or two or something, and then yeah, put it aside, and then pick up another author and read some of their stories, and you know. I think it makes it it's like easier if you have something that you can finish it in you know a sitting or two rather than devoting you know 300 pages to 
to one narrative. Yeah, or like a thousand. I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I, and I have in the past. Like I mean, I I don't. Are you familiar with the Wheel of Time series? Yeah, I haven't. Jordan? I've I've only read the first book, but I'm I'm familiar with the series. I. <laughs> this was uh, i think it was like 2015 2016 i was like i'm gonna read this fucking series <laughs> 14 <laughs> the whole thing huh the whole thing and i did i it took me about a year and i actually had to take like a few months like break yeah because i just was like i gotta take a break for a bit and then i came back to it and finished it and that was that was i felt, felt like this accomplishment it's probably i probably will never do that again but <laughs> yeah the um I felt accomplished doing it, you know? Yeah. Cause it's so big. And even like, and it does get a little wearisome, like about halfway through. Yeah. But, uh, those, but, those are, those are all really long. Yeah. But it pays off because the ending is like really sick. So nice. Which is good. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get back and read the second book at some point. Probably I did the, I did the thing, the whole series thing with, uh, Glenn Cook's Black Company a couple of years ago. I'm not sure if you're familiar. I am familiar. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. I never read Black Company, but he, um, mm-hmm. I have his other, like a collection of his other, like it's like a trilogy or something, uh, like mm. Dark Kingdom. I was, like, I'm looking at it now and I can't see the name of it. Um, yeah, but Black Company was pretty good. Uh, what does it say? I can't see. Yeah, I whatever. I yeah, one of his collections, but I never read Black Company. Uh, that one's how big is that one? Uh, it's the the books aren't huge. They're probably like three hundred pages each. Uh, I think there's six six main books. Yeah, it's not and so like hard. one or two like side books that are like you know spinoffs kind of. Cool. Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't that- too bad. It's not as hard when they're two or three hundred. It's, it's much more difficult. <laughs> yeah, when like a, it's, bad, it's bad when they're twelve hundred pages or whatever. Yeah, I uh, with my work, like I, I get listening to stuff all day, like you know, on my own, like, and um, I kind of got more. I started getting into um, audiobooks very like recently, mm-hmm. which is kind of useful for certain things. Like I listened to this one called Empire of the Vampire, which, right. I definitely recommend it's it's I guess the book is like really long. It's like a thousand pages. It took me um the audiobook was like twenty four hours. <laughs> okay. That so is pretty long. Yeah, it took me like I don't know, like you know, I'm listening to it all, like all day while I work, so it's like, you know, it took me about three days or something, listen to it four days. Um yeah. but uh that one is really cool and definitely recommend it. It's like a Empire like, of the Vampire, you said. Empire of the Vampire, yeah. It's like a yeah fantasy dark fantasy um with like vampires and it's really fucking dark and brutal nice it's, re- it's really brutal and it actually makes vampires kind of scary again as well. good yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is nice like you read it and you kind of get into it and you like realize that, like they're very like scary figures in the in the you know yeah that's good yeah which i'm like we need that I mean, we need some movies to make vampires scary again, I think. Yeah, for sure. Like, after Twilight and all that shit, you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. We need vampires to kill instead of sparkle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To be, to be uh, horrifying and other rather than 
relatable, you know, demi humans, basically. Yeah, I'm just kind of tired of like that kind of Anne Rice slash Twilight style vampire where they're like almost like, you know, yeah, demigods, you know, like, yeah. I, you know, Mike, my, my probably my favorite vampire movie of all time is probably like Nosferatu and then the remake as well that, uh, cost that, uh, where Werner Herzog did. Yeah. That's like 79, I think. Yeah. 79. Like, uh, not, yeah. So like Nos, like both the original sound and that remake from 79 are like, those are probably my favorite vampire movies mm-hmm. of all time. And it's like, I love the depiction of a vampire as like this, like fucking, you know, evil, like demonic figure, you know? Yeah. And, um, and the funny thing though, is that being the person I am, I always, I do have like, I can relate to the vampire in them as well, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like, it's like a different kind of, it's not like they're, uh, it's not like he's made, you know, it's not the same way as like, say when there's like, it's not a wish fulfillment. It's almost like, right. Yeah. Particularly in the 79 one, you can kind of, if you're a certain type of person, you can kind of relate to when he's talking about like, you know, being in like stuck in this like you know old like castle like alone in the darkness for ages and ages you know yeah it's not it's not like a positive like type of <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not a uh, like you said it's not wish fulfillment no but i i love that like again like when i was uh, when i was a kid i did nosferatu as a for halloween one year nice like i always just like really loved that depiction of of the vampire yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the last time we got scary vampires. Yeah, I'd have to think about it. I don't know, like 30 days a night, maybe? Yeah. That was a pretty good one. I don't know. Like they're pretty, they're pretty, like, uh, pretty violent in that one. Yeah. <laughs> Someone definitely needs to do something new. And you know, make them scary again. Someone, someone with a big budget, preferably. Yeah. yeah, I know they're doing Salem's Lot again, so know, maybe that'll make oh, them yeah. scary again. Yeah, we'll see. I never saw the. They did a um, another version of Salem's Lot. I think in the nineties or early two thousands. I don't know if you ever. Oh yeah, did you ever, did you I, don't, see that? I don't think so, I saw that one. I haven't either. I want to check that out. I I reread Salem's Lot last year, the novel. Yeah, and uh, I definitely think that's one of Stephen King's best novels. Like it's like really like engaging. It's really dark, really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, essentially the I mean they don't the heroes don't really win. I mean they set fire yeah. to at the end, but but I mean everybody's been taken over by vampires, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not not much of a it's a Pyrrhic victory, I guess. Yeah. Like that one and then his novel Revival are my favorite Stephen King novels. Oh yeah, I haven't read that one. Oh dude, it's like love it's like total Lovecraft, uh Arthur Mock and Homage. Oh cool. I'll have to check it out then. Yeah. And uh it's like not very long, you know, I think three hundred, four hundred yeah. pages. And uh the whole thing is is written to reach that that ending, the ending of it. So, right, very very Lovecraftian of him. Exactly, yeah. He tries to go for that singularity of effect, 
but instead of over right. a short story it's like a, a novel and it, it actually works like because the whole thing That's you cool. just you just want to know what the fuck's gonna happen you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the the, yeah, the ending is does not disappoint so i highly recommend that that's one of his newer novels that i i think like like blew me away nice i heard about it because i think that's actually one that i heard on necromaniacs i was going back and listening to old necromaniacs and mike had read it and said that it was like very like, cosmic horror and i was like okay that sounds interesting so i picked it up and i read it and i was like oh yeah this shit is real cool nice yeah probably that one and salem's lot and the shining are the yeah. I think the best ones. Yeah, I like The Shining a, a lot. Probably my favorite of his. Also a big fan of the movie. Yeah, the Stanley Kubrick movie is one of my favorite horror movies of all the time. Yep. I usually say that it's my favorite. Um, it's, you know, that and Halloween 78 are up there, kind of neck and neck. For you me, know, at least. For me, it's it's The Shining and uh, The Exorcist. Yeah, my that's a, it's a fair call. Yeah, like I just, uh, but I do really love Halloween as well, and um, Night of the Living Dead is another one of my top five. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm not like a huge vampire uh, zombie movie person overall, but I love Romero's zombie yeah. movies. You know, yeah. Like Romero and and I love the Fulci Gates of Hell. Yeah, I was gonna. How- yeah, I was gonna say Romero and Fulci, kind of. You can't really go wrong with with their zombie stuff. No, and I just rewatched the Fulci Gates of Hell trilogy, and, and yeah. Well, actually, I still have to. I'm still gonna watch the Beyond, but um, I, yeah, I watched Houses by the Cemetery and uh, and City Living Dead because I was kind of leaving the best for last because I think the Beyond mm-hmm. is the best one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I fucking I think Beyond is definitely on top five for me as well because it's just, yeah it's it's really good and it's got that that I I love anything one of the things that I'm always like really really into is any kind of horror thing that that deals with um like um opening a gate to this other side or something right you know? yeah yeah like, for sure I'm very fascinated by that idea of of this kind of other dimensions and, and this other yeah. side that I, I equate with like the kind of Sitra or like, you know, the cliff off or something like this, that kind of idea. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Fulci's like actually kind of tapping into that in a way, you know? Yeah. We did a, a the, the last track on our last full length is kind of, it's uh tapping into those those ideas also oh really called the, yeah it's called the invisible world um i was wondering about that because isn't there um uh it's like a short story called the invisible world isn't there maybe uh i got the title from uh a cotton mather uh, his uh wonders of the invisible world oh yeah that's his book where he kind of defended a lot of the stuff that went on in salem and all that that's what i'm thinking of yeah uh yeah yep and he is talking about the the cotton mather and then of course like lovecraft always likes to to mention the cotton mather and that story is the nut book as well right so yeah that's where he um i think that's where he got the uh 
the quote at the beginning of Charles Dexter Ward that's attributed to Borellus. It's either in that Cotton Mather or in uh, Magnalia Christi Americana. I can't remember which one, but it's one of those two. But yeah, I definitely got, you know, more, I mean, not got into because I don't really care about him as a person, but yeah, Lovecraft turned me on to Cotton Mather and that whole, I know in, in, in college, I guess, so my background, my degree is in religious studies. I wrote a lot about uh, the witch trials in Salem as well as Europe, but obviously Cotton Mather pops up a bunch in the colonies when it comes to all that stuff. So, Right. I've actually never read um, any of his like actual books. Like, and yeah, have you read that that one I that mean, you based the title off of? Just like bits and pieces. I mean, it's a huge volume of, uh, you know, Puritan religious stuff mostly. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. You kind of not, gotta, not like... exactly like fun reading, but it's like it's kind of interesting if you look at it and see some of the weird stuff that you know that they talk about. Right, like you got like you've read like you kind of go go through it and find the stuff that you're actually kind of interested in. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the movie Hoxon from the from the twenties? Oh, um, yes, yes. Yeah, it has like uh, the depiction of the witch's sabbat and everything in it. <laughs> yeah, really sick. Yeah. Yeah, like all that kind of medieval witchcraft stuff, I think is really fascinating. Even if it's a lot of it's like you know made up or delusions or something like it's still yeah. really like i don't know I, I actually find it find it kind of like odd like inspiring in a way you know yeah it's uh definitely some interesting stuff uh yeah we can talk about that for a long time probably <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe on another episode yeah definitely yeah the, which is that was so cool and i think uh i feel like a lot of black metal plays a lot with that kind of you know medieval witchcraft yeah yeah of, for sure type of thing and i dig it like you know like even if it's uh and it's like a funny thing because it's like on one level like as far as like actual like kind of spirituality goes i don't really think it's all that useful to mm -hmm. be like a, a act like a medieval satanist or something but i think that right on an artistic level i find it very like exciting you know what i mean yeah yeah i definitely know what you mean yeah, that's cool, dude. Know you wrote a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've done. Yeah, I've read some. My problem sometimes with the witch trial stuff is I get so like annoyed by the fucking Christians and the way that you know. Like, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, you know. No, you start, I feel that. Start getting upset at all these people getting murdered and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel you. Hundred percent. One of the facts that, that i think is really interesting though that i found out uh is that like say in portugal and spain you know people always talk about the spanish inquisition the irony though is that that was like one of the least harsh inquisitions where most of the time they're they're kind of um you know uh what do you call it uh punishment was exile so a lot right. of these heretics and witches and whatnot were all exiled to the states and so that's you know, like, um, be it, or, you know, you know, but I mean to North and South America. So like, mm -hmm. you know, you have a lot of these kinds of her heretical and witch <laughs> yeah. witchcraft and all this stuff, like, and like, you know, as part, part of the current that created like 
Saquambanda in Brazil, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah, uh, Brugera sure. in Mexico, and yeah. uh, I have you a book, Paulo and all, all that stuff, yeah, Paulo Mahambe and and Cuba, yeah. Um, and then you and I have a book about witchcraft in the southwest of the United States as well that talks about that. Oh, that's cool, yeah, that like say, like here in you know, Colorado and New Mexico in this area, like you had like uh. A lot of these kind of heretics and witches and stuff being like you know kind of deported here you know and then they're <laughs> kind of um interacting with like the local like uh, indian witchcraft and yeah so there's this whole like kind of underground whole new little syncretic traditions right yeah and there's this whole like underground kind of tradition here in this in this area even of witchcraft and stuff which yeah i just find that really fascinating particularly because particularly like the stuff in this area of the world or like mexico you don't hear too much about you know the brujas and all this kinds of stuff like mm -hmm. uh because they keep it secret you know like uh yeah i used, I used to date somebody who was like uh um involved with like a traditional like bruja thing and in Mexico city and stuff. So I, I kind of right. learned some, some, uh, some stuff about it that is like completely just like secret. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's, yeah. So it was like, it's very fascinating that. Yeah. Like this, that's cool for sure. It's like, I'm just like, uh, yeah, I think I love all this stuff. I love reading about like Quambanda and Palomamba and all stuff too. Mm -hmm. Santa yeah. day and in, in Mexico. Like I, I yeah, really for like sure. That. I think all the, like, folk saints and like folk catholicism is interesting to to learn about i've, I've been studying a, a bit about santa muerte lately myself i guess maybe, maybe you saw i did one uh one piece recently that was that was an interpretation of santa muerte yeah i remember that the um I, I, one of my favorite books about santa muerte is called i think um it's uh devoted to death yeah is that the is that the one by like richard chestnut yeah that's the one cool yeah i got that one yeah i like i like that book a lot and uh yeah the um yeah i have like a santa morte altar and stuff like my friend cool. painted me and like a bunch of like of the the, the statues and yeah yeah i'd like to get one of the santa morte uh rosaries at some point um, yeah those are cool i was looking at the, <laughs> looking at those the other day yeah like i saw i might just try order online but i saw one that like uh went to like a botanica in here mm -hmm. in uh, denver at one time and i saw them there and it's like it's like that's pretty cool yeah then it's like uh you know you can do like these rosary prayers to santa Marte without being like having to you know be christian about it you know right yeah yeah, which is, uh, yeah, I think it's cool. I think, uh, and I think, you know, there's like a, there's like a, a power with that as well. You know, I actually really believe mm -hmm. in that kind of force. So, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, like I've definitely noticed soon you work, if I do, you know, working with Santa Morte, like prayers or whatever, like uh, giving or like whatever. Uh, incense or even a candle or something like um uh it works you know you, you stuff happens you know so it's pretty cool right 
Yeah, I think uh, all those living traditions have a lot of power. So, uh, and I think yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how it's evolved and that like it's really blown up in the past ten years. Yeah, it definitely Santa Muerte is like really, uh, really blown up, and um, you know, I mean, uh, Mexican governments like kind of waging a war against it too now it's just like because yeah. of the pressure of the catholic church and stuff mm -hmm. which is interesting because they yeah i mean as as santa muerte seems to be very much a traditional a holdover from like the pagan days you know yeah so, yeah which i think is really cool yeah for sure that's something that i've been trying to learn more about is like aztec and maya mythology and stuff like i don't know a whole right. lot but yeah to i don't i don't know as don't know as much about all that as i wish i did yeah me too like last year i got like a whole i got a, a book about aztec mythology i found and i want to get more stuff yeah i remember reading or seeing a, well, i read part of it but i got from the library years ago it was like a uh, Lewis Spence did a book about Aztec and Maya mythology that's, that I remember being pretty good. Mm -hmm. I didn't read all of it, but I would, I'd like to try to find that. Usually a lot of Lewis Spence's stuff, you can get like Dover versions of them. So. Yeah. I need to see if Not I can too find bad. That. Yeah. But yeah, all of his books are pretty good. Like, uh, I have like German mythology, that book that like, it's like German, like legends and stuff. Mm -hmm. and um and uh, i have a book about i think he did one about egypt that he did and uh egyptian like uh myth and uh some other like uh celtic particularly like his celtic book yeah is pretty cool yeah he's done a lot of good stuff yeah you know good like good thing to pick up if you want to like you know get a good overview of some yeah, of these yeah, myths, good, you know good over yeah good overview for sure even though it's like a hundred well, years old I, yeah, yeah i hate to uh cut it short but oh I yeah no problem some, uh, stuff i gotta attend to here sounds um, good man yeah i, I uh, appreciate the podcast i'd like to do it again sometime yeah definitely uh definitely have you on i, mean, I think there's a lot of stuff we could uh, continue talking about so <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> any any of the topics we delved into we could probably do a whole a whole podcast guest on really so yeah definitely we'll definitely have you back on so yeah sounds good man awesome well have a good night and uh i'll talk to you right. later you you too appreciate it thanks man. bye, bye.